This is a news laundry and Roly Pulse podcast examining the news media landscape. Roly Pulse is a digital initiative by Roly Books. Hello everyone, I am Chirag Thakkar, Commissioning Editor at Roli Books and you're watching Roli Pulse, our new digital initiative. Since the lockdown began in, in India, we at Roli have relentlessly been bringing you your favorite writers, artists, journalists, publishers, among others, on your screens with our panels, author chats, live sessions, and you can find all our videos on Roli Books' YouTube channel, our Instagram handle, as well as on Facebook and Twitter. And if you would like us to put out more such content, then show us your love with your comments in the comment section below. Today's conversation is on a rather provocative question. Is television dead? In the last decade of the previous century, India saw the emergence of cable TV and private television networks and the coming of big, small, and all kinds of mid-sized players in that market. The old world of Doordarshan gave way to a more exciting time, and one of the more radical paradigm shifts we saw was the coming of the 24-7 news channel. In the years that followed, TV got more glamorous from their studios of Delhi and Bombay, catering to a new generation of suave, English-speaking, educated middle class, and uh, also emerged a set of noticeable household names that broke the news to you, as it were, on almost all things that mattered. With growing competition, the struggle for TRPs, and to stay relevant, some went in bizarre directions, sounding less and less like responsible newsroom anchors and credible, objective, ethical journalists, and more and more like clowns of a circus, no names taken. Some of these continue to shout us down, telling us not what to think about a particular issue, but instead telling us what to think about at all. With the coming of digital and the shrinking attention spans of millennials and post-millennials, subscriptions of newspapers and magazines plummeting, content in India begins to change, be it news and entertainment, it all starts to move to our mobile phones, tablets, and continues to remain one of the more exciting spaces to break all traditional rules of hierarchical, old-school journalism. Speaking directly to readers, viewers, and users, and citizens at large, our three speakers today represent this change of television to digital and multimedia content. We have with us the sharpest minds in the country, Barkhadat, Pedi Souza, and Abhinandan Sekri. Uh, Barkhadat is one of India's most prominent journalists and television anchors. In addition to her war reporting, she's also reported from the field on virtually every important national story in politics, insurgencies, social upheavals, floods, famine, terror attacks, and more recently, the Delhi riots. She's been on the road with a brilliant team at Mojo Story reporting on the COVID-19 pandemic since the government of India announced the lockdown. Barkha has won more than 40 national and international awards for her journalism. Welcome to Roli Pulse, Barkha. Joining us also is Faye D'Souza, who is an Indian journalist and has been the executive editor at Mirror Now, where she hosted a primetime show called The Urban Debate. She's currently in the process of putting together her own subscription-based digital news venture. Very glad to have you with us, Faye. Barkha and Faye are going to be in conversation with Abhinandan, who is the co-founder of News Laundry, a reader-supported independent news media organization. Abhinandan has also co-founded a production house called Small Screen with Prashant Sareen. He's worked as a producer, director, and writer in various television and film projects, including the award-winning food and travel show Highway on My Plate, 
the new satire show Gustakhima and the great Indian Tamasha. So welcome again, Barkafe and Abhinandan. I'll just have Abhinandan get us started and dive right into the discussion. Thanks, Chirag. Thank you for putting this together. Uh, thank you, ladies. Um, I will get straight to it since the introductions have been made. Uh, Barkha, I'm going to remind you, I don't know if you'll remember this. We were both uh, on a panel which Samir had put together at um, ORF at the Hyatt, I think five, six years ago. This is, I think, two years into, um, uh, into News Laundry and it's just when you had parted ways with NDTV. And I was like, dude, you have such credibility and following. Why don't you get online? And you had said, if you're not on TV, it doesn't matter. <laughs> have you changed your mind? <laughs> I, you know, obviously, you've been planning this. I told you so. Touche moment, uh, Abhinandan. So well done for that. Uh, I have more than changed my mind. Um, I, firstly, sorry, guys, I have this mask on. I just want to tell you all where we are. Uh, we're at Surat at the railway station. And uh, a train just left uh, with migrant workers on board. And on the day that we are filming this, this is the day when we had this horrific, uh, horrible train accident in Aurangabad with a goods train um, uh, driving over sleeping uh, workers on the tracks. And uh, to me, this is, you know, this is a compelling story and I'm being able to tell it without television. And, and, and I want to talk a little bit about that more. But Abhinandan... Sorry, but uh, before I... I, I you, uh, sorry, Barkha, I just want to cut in. I just want to tell our audiences that... Barkha has been doing, in my view, the most amazing coverage of the humanitarian crisis and the labor crisis post-COVID, post the lockdown, and no print or television journalist has done that. So she, I don't want her to be immodest, but I should put this out there and then you can continue, Barkha. Fantastic work. Really outstanding. Thank you so much. Um, Abhinandan, uh, you do get your I told you so moment, but I think to understand why I was so, uh, so nervous or anxious or skeptical when you said this to me, and I guess it was 2017, which is when I parted ways with NDTV, is because I'm a first generation television journalist. I probably am that rare creature who did not migrate from newspapers to television. I was born into television. I trained to be a, a broadcaster. I trained as a television producer. I even trained as a PCR sound engineer, which not many people know about me. So I really used to believe uh, in the grammar of television, in its power to tell a good story, and in its impact and scale. Uh, but today, I think uh, that my romance uh, about television news has been rudely uh, interrupted. I think I needed to be jolted to find a new grammar for myself. I think without that jolt, I would have probably continued to be smug and perhaps lazy and perhaps stale uh, in my storytelling. So in a way, the disruption of my life has led me to uh, a new phase where I'm able to tell these stories. So I'm glad for the disruption, uh, however tough it may have been in a phase of my life. And what I want to say, Abhinandan, is that TV, I believe, uh, is dead in the way that we know it in India, TV news. But visual storytelling is not. Absolutely. Visual storytelling remains very much alive. The power of the image and the power of a good story remains alive. It's just that A, you don't need TV news to tell that story anymore and B, TV news is just not telling that story. And I think it's also, when we call it TV, in fact, when Chirag introduced you, he says prominent television anchor. I was like, she hasn't been on television for a long time, but prominent journalist, news professional and uh, yeah, journalism, I guess, is what sustains your reputation irrespective of what platform or what flat screen we see you on. So I think the language we use to communicate what journalists such as yourself do will also change as television gets outdated. 
uh, Faye, you have been a prime time hot favorite of our country. You block, you know, burst onto the scenes as this new. Uh, and of course, when I met you, I was like, "How come I haven't heard of you?" She was like, "I've been in journalism for twenty years, you know, she, I, I, but I've been in print." And because television disproportionately puts out, um, oh, with CNBC, sorry, you were. So I was a business journalist, journalist a, producer, a reporter, then an anchor. So I spent a lot of time on real estate, personal finance, economic crime, that right. sort of stuff. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, general news and prime time sort of has that. Okay, yeah. So now you tell me, uh, you know, Barkha spoke about the grammar of storytelling, visuals being important. And both of you have done your own startups as uh, have I with my former boss, mentor, friend, and now business partner, Madhu. And of course, I learned so much from her. But now, how do you guys see this, A, from as journalists and as entrepreneurs also? Because television and online rocks the world, not just in storytelling and the filters of, you know, what can pass by license cancel. It, it transforms news in a lot of ways. So let's discuss each at a time. So I'll come back to you also, Barkha, on the economic side of it. Uh, Faye, you can go ahead with the journalism side and economic side as well. Right. So um, I personally believe that television is dead because the system is broken. Because the costs of actually putting out a channel um, and I've, I've had, you know, the good fortune, which a lot of journalists don't have at my age, at least of launching a television stand channel from scratch. So actually sitting on the plan of what it costs to get satellite, what it costs to put a PCR together, what it costs to put a team together, to actually sit on those numbers and plan this thing from scratch, launch it, see what the sales numbers are like, see what the PNL looks like or something like this, and then be painfully aware of the fact that the system is broken because it is the guys with the highest TRPs who get the ads. The brands don't give a damn about the quality of journalism that these channels are putting out. All they care about is the eyeballs. Now, what are these channels doing to get the eyeballs? They are pipe pipering the deepest, darkest hate within us. Um, there's very little fact checking. There's very little because it's a 24 by seven monster that needs to be fed constantly. There's no time. These teams are thin. They are working day and night. They're not putting enough time into fact checking. They're not putting enough love into the research of their stories which is why it's so slap and dash. I call it point, you know, point and shoot journalism where people are just standing, you know, in one place all day saying, oh, I'm standing in front of the Maharashtra chief minister's house. But you don't know anything because you've been standing there all day giving lives after lives. So there's no real journalism happening in television anymore. It's just all about picking up stuff from ANI and slapping it onto your television channel for 22 out of 24 hours. And then for the remaining two hours, just whipping hate because... I've been in rooms, Abhinandan, where there has been discussions and research about what a large population of this country feels and how if we do content that sort of feeds into that feeling, we'll have larger viewership. This is the only thing they care about right now. Garnering the highest viewership because that brings in the highest advertising. Nobody cares about anything else. And a journalist that cares about Ethics at this point and facts and fact checking is an inconvenience because you're in the way of the business. And that's just how it's playing out at this point. And let's be honest, your viewer in television is no longer your customer. Your advertiser is your customer. Your viewer is your commodity. And I keep saying this, the, the relationship that viewers have with television channels is the relationship 
that chickens have with real good chicken or that chickens have with Venkis chicken. You're the commodity that gets chopped up and sold to somebody else. Right. And the largest advertiser is the government right now. Exactly. That's where the money is coming from. So this yeah. is now your customer. Now add the whole thing up and figure out whose interest we're serving on, on television. So I don't, I mean, I believe that people like Varkada, people like us are storytellers. And we'll tell our stories on Instagram, we'll tell our stories on Twitter, we'll tell our stories uh, on the internet. That is just a medium. Uh, that's just the pipe. But the pipe of television is broken because it's no longer serving its customers. Absolutely. The model is broken. And like you said, when the public pays, the public is served. When advertisers pay, advertisers are served. And that has been the slogan of News Laundry since we launched in 2012. And I hope you will keep that line because I like to plug my product wherever I can. And you should too, ladies. Never <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> I did that, uh, Chirag, oh, please. Because uh, then I'll tweet it out. Uh, so, 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 even, you know, when I was young and one of the observations I had about journalists and at that time, you know, I thought I don't know enough to really comment on it, but I noticed journalism, uh, journalists and some really good ones understood very little about business and the economic side of it, because they were so focused on doing journalism and businessmen took over that aspect and it went completely out of the journalist's hand. In fact, uh, I saw this first time at TV Today when Madhu quit and, you know, TV Today changed and Arjitak was born. I saw it playing out in front of me that a chartered accountant could, uh, uh, not chartered, but the accountant could call a journalist and say, how did you spend X on this? And in Madhu's time, the accountant wouldn't dare ask a journalist, why did you spend on water or lunch or cab? I mean, just the way journalists are treated changed. The power balance changed. Uh, so I think it's a fantastic that journalists like you are doing your own startups because that I think will change things significantly. And if I can use the metaphor for of COVID, you know, like in order to revive the economy, we have to let people out. But if you let people out, people die. So then you have to pull them back in. So one cure causes a bigger problem for the other cure. Similarly, if you want revenue, you kill journalism. If you want to revive journalism, you kill revenue. So that's the same problem playing out. How do you think your venture can change this? So I think that's a really interesting question because somehow the way we were shaped to think as journalists, it was almost as if talking about money was a bad thing. Like, you know, like if you were going to get into the business side of things, you were somehow compromising your uh, sort of core skill as a journalist. And I think that that trapped many of us uh, for longer in a template than we would have ideally liked to be trapped. It also needs to be said, Abhinandan, and I completely agree with Faye, that if the systems of our news gathering were not so broken, or if our behemoths were not so broken uh, in terms of the revenue models and therefore in terms of what we could do and not do, uh, you know, I, I do also write for the Washington Post and my experience of working for a Western news organization is completely different from my experience of working for any Indian organization. The levels of professionalism, and I'm not starry-eyed, there are problems in every newsroom, there are other kinds of clashes in every newsroom, but there are systems, there are compartments, and there, uh, my editor at the Washington Post, Abhinandan, actually told off somebody uh, on Twitter uh, uh, and said, uh, Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos is the owner of the Post, and my opinions editor is saying on Twitter, Jeff Bezos does not decide the content that goes into my pages. So there are places in the world where the journalist can tell the proprietor, you don't decide my content. We just don't have that in India. We have to be honest. We don't have that in India. So therefore, many of us have been 
uh, in a sense, uh, goaded, cajoled, persuaded, compelled. Our, 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 impulse, you know, our impulses have been different at different stages of our life. And now we have no choice but to be our own promoters, the promoters of our small teams, the promoters of our startups. And we have to learn uh, the revenue and the business side as well. And Abhinandan, uh, here I want to say that it's not that digital has all the answers, right? You know this from News Laundry. We are counting on subscriptions. We are counting on support of readers. We are counting on offline events to, to basically subsidize uh, our first love, which is which, which is storytelling. So I think I'm pretty much in that same space. Till advertising shifts, and we can call the, all the gullies we want to to advertising, but there will be a point when some advertising will shift to the digital space. And at that time, uh, we will have maybe one additional source of revenue. Till that time, there are only three other sources. There is offline events that we use to subsidize what we do. There is uh, the sort of uh, monetized YouTube channels or Facebook videos that we that we put up. And there is the occasional sponsor or partnership that you may strike with a private player uh, who says, okay, I'll support these 10 videos uh, that you're doing, presenting sponsors, so to speak. So we're also going to have difficult times ahead. But I think we have an opportunity here. The number of people who have told me at this point that they cannot understand why television decided to sit out the COVID story. You know, forget the politics for a moment. Forget the spewing hate for a moment. I cannot understand how this biggest story of the world, the biggest news story that we're going to see in our lifetime, literally everybody I know from my past, from my present, in big organizations, has decided to sit down. I mean, I completely agree with you on the point you made about the Washington Post. I think it's to do a little with the general culture of everything. I mean, that's, I mean, it's not like news is an outlier in some of the more, you know, mature liberal democracies. That is true for employees in various organizations. The, the Maibab culture is not there. Like Peter Thiel killed Gawker because they outed his sexual preference. And in that uh, film on Netflix, there's the billionaire who's uh, the, the casino king of Vegas. He bought out this newspaper to kill it. Of course, the editor of that newspaper did a story on who has bought our newspaper. And he went with that story. Of course, they finally all had to go because once he bought it, he shut them down. But before they went, they did a story on their owner buying their paper so that he could kill them. So yeah, I mean, it happens there, but of course the pushback is major and significant. That's not the norm. Uh, so I get what you're saying. So um, A, uh, you know, you've till fairly recently headed a newsroom fair. Is the reason that um, channels will sit out this story to various degrees. I mean, a few reporters have gone out, but no one's gone like Barkha is doing a highway on my plate, except it's not food. It's, it's, it's COVID. I mean, the amount of kilometers she's covered, we used to cover in three schedules. She's done it in one. Um, but is it just the economics that the cost of putting a Barkha with a crew of four, the risk each day ka cost you know, I, I, I've been a producer, I know the costs of each day when you have a crew, what you can do, what you have to plan for. Is it just an economic consideration that it's cheaper to make five people sit in your studio and shout at each other? Or is there any other consideration that, you know, this is not a story that really will make us look good to the powers that be? Where does that weigh? Is it is it only always political? Obviously, I'm guessing here because I'm not at... Sure. A I'm not a channel. I'm not at a channel right now. I'm assuming it's a combination of two or three things. One 
is um, the responsibility of sending a team out and having them pick up the virus at some point. Um, I know that several television teams have had employees test positive and then they had to pick up, you know, they had to, then you have entire groups of people who have to be quarantined and then you have to figure out how to keep your television channel going and stuff like that. So there's something there that's weighing on their minds. Yes, of course, I'm sure the fact that if you go out and you do um, highway on my plate where you're not talking about food, but you're talking about pain that you pick up at every corner of every highway, which is what Vakka is doing. These are stories that are going to make people uncomfortable. Um, and it's a question of how much, you know, how much these, these TV channels want those stories at the end of the day. Also, let's not, um, let's not forget about the fact that a regular diet of hate has been served through this COVID crisis, right? Everything from Tablighi Jamaat down, you know, uh, downwards has been, it's, it's all about hate. And the hate is easily distracting. And we have to ask ourselves, and I kept asking myself, why are we doing this? Why is this happening? It's happening to, uh, do, I believe, eclipse, what's the, eclipse the real pain that's going on on the roads. Because you're just stirring up hate. It's easy to do. It's cheap. Like you said, it requires very little cost. It can also be done from a sanitized space. So there's less risk you're taking in terms of your team and your anchors. And it serves the powers that be. So it's a combination. Of can, I add to that? Yeah. can I add to that? Sure. sure. Can I just add to that? Also, I think that there was a formula. TV news had got into this formula space. In my past life, I've been guilty of it as well. Uh, what takes what takes more effort to go out for you know this is my fifty second day on or fifty third day or to call the same four spokespeople or the four same four opiners put them in four windows right it's easy when you you don't have energy when you don't have ideas when you don't have new things to say you can slap this together um, I think what has happened is the TV had slipped into, the, into a formula and there was no pushback from the audience. I think this time you're seeing something interesting. I don't know if there's a pushback to TV, but I certainly am seeing that there is an audience for the raw, authentic content from the ground. I don't know if these are people who will pay up when they have to. Will they pay for the content they're getting? I still have to reach the stage in my startup where I have to <laughs> test that. But Abhinandan, apart from all the reasons that Fay listed, uh, you know, even relatively progressive uh, journalists in our, in our field, the few that are left, you don't see them actually going out and telling stories anymore. You see them being anchors instead of journalists. And I think that TV began to die the day we started privileging anchors over reporters. This is an old bugbear of mine, and I'm saying this as someone who's been an anchor and a reporter. But this privileging of anchors over storytellers, putting reporters at the bottom of the hierarchy, instead of at the top of the hierarchy, never turning your reporters into stars, always having your anchors be the stars, this was the beginning of the death of television. Okay, um, point taken. Uh, one of the th things that you said about various revenue streams that will come in, um, whether it is events, whether it is other partnerships, content partnerships. I think um, the more diverse the revenue streams, and you know, we've experimented with several over the last eight years since we started. Um, I think it definitely is not going to be just one, but the Thickest one will be subscribers, and then there will be thinner ones as well. And the thing is that, and I give this analogy, you know, wherever I go, that if you have a castle that is resting on 12 pillars, out of which five are owned by the government, and the rest are owned by some big, you know, corporate houses, 
then if any three of them are pissed off with you it's shaky but if it's resting on 100 you can piss off 20 50 more will come so basically that is the analogy now have you guys thought that far on revenue streams which are the ones how are you going to go out and you know distinguish a product i do believe that right now the stage we're in um it's not the revenue streams of try to remain truly independent through subscription which is not going to give you the scale that channels have but channels will die anyway because it's an unsustainable product and i just have this one thesis and i would like both your comments on this like most things and i i believe in free markets i'm not a, 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 a privatize everything world bank wala ki pani bhi kar do ye bhi kar do but at the same time i don't think um you can have government regulation control over many things and the market is the best device for price discovery and resource allocation however i have seen when we used to make news track on tapes and there was a more or less a monopoly the quality of journalism was higher when the market stepped in then you needed eyeballs earlier a journalist could very self importantly say ki main sarkar gira ya gira sakti hu meri jo report hai wo supreme court mein like what happened with babri and news track tapes you know when news track cameras reach someone even if vp singh wanted to kill us he could not you know he could not do the kind of battles that they do today when the market evolved then they said forget journalism who has the most access who has the most viewers so the market in a sense killed journalism and journalism like medicine and education is a unique product the market will play a role but so will ethics so therefore market cannot be entrusted with completely providing the best resource allocation or price discovery am i being too much of a lefty commie or i'd like your thoughts on both these things afi want you go first um so i yes i agree with you that there has to be multiple revenue streams and there also have to be multiple levels of membership or subscription that uh, we call for or we invite um i believe very strongly like you do in the in the uh, subscription formula because i believe in accountability to the viewer/reader and then obviously if you're not doing a good job they'll just pull the plug on you and that's your that's where your accountability truly lies um i do believe that there are opportunities to do content uh, in tie ups with brands that serve a larger purpose so for example when brands are doing uh, projects for women's safety when brands are doing projects on water for villages when brands are doing projects that sort of fit you know ethically and content wise and in belief with with the brand that i'm going to launch these are partnerships that i'm hoping we will be able to and i've already been able to do a few of those and i think that uh, events getting people to pay for content and i believe that it it all of these things these movements happen simultaneously um i believe that india's young are prepared to pay for content that they believe that they trust that they uh that that they believe is of value to them so it's also it's also about finding that right audience and serving the audience so i believe in in a combination of many things i like like barkha said i think that it's too early at this point in the market to say that hey you know we're not going to touch any one particular type stream uh because it's we are all too young too small to be able to make those statements in terms of the organizations that we're launching a combination of free a combination of paid for 
uh, different levels of membership, different levels of uh, partnerships with brands, events that are ticketed, events that bring in more memberships, things like that. I think the market is going to teach us a lot of things over the next couple of years. As TV dies from a lack of credibility and a lack of audience and very high costs, the good thing I believe about the internet right now is we are able to put together teams based on what we need. So it's not a television studio that requires 100 people or 150 people. You can actually paste together small teams that are working very closely where you keep the costs under control and um, you know, there's that, there's that saying in Kannada, uh, which means that you stretch your legs based on the size of your bed. Uh, and that's, you know, you build your team based on what you're putting out, the content that works, the content that's paying for itself at this point. And then it subsidizes the stories that you really want to tell. Uh, because like I said, we're all storytellers and we all find different ways to tell stories. And the medium will teach us what works, what doesn't, what people, you know, what length people want to listen to, how they want to listen to it. Uh, do they just want audio? Do they want video? You know, all of these things. Data-based journalism, I think, is going to be very big going forward. Um, COVID is a great example of the kind of data that's coming in from across the world and the stories that are in the numbers. And I believe that especially for the internet, data-based journalism of just looking through these numbers, finding those stories could be an entire future going forward. So I think that... Um, and, and the bit about the market being you know, the market as we have been taught it and grown up being the best price identifier or price discovery mechanism and resource allocation efficient, you know, parameter. Do you think it works efficiently in news as well? I think it does. Um, see, at the end of the day, uh, we have to remember that very famous quote that we've heard newspapers say that journalism is what happens in between the ads, right? Um, obviously, these were organizations that had stretched to a point where their subscription no longer covered it. It was the advertising that was covering even the printing costs of newspapers and then of television. So I believe that right now, um, the market is willing to pay for ethical journalism. And yes, that price discovery is going to take a couple of years to actually figure out. But it's happening across the world. Everyone uh, from the Washington Post to the New York Times to the Hindu in India, everyone's figuring out what this price is. We'll figure it out together. But uh, I believe that that will be exclusively reserved for good journalists. You have a number that you want to put out that you are contemplating for your platform or not yet? Not yet. <laughs> Arka, both the questions. One is on resource allocation and market being a good and the second on multiple revenue streams. Which ones do you think have more faith in there? So to answer these questions, I think one thing we haven't spoken about is the disruptive opportunity that technology has provided us. If you had told me in that same conversation that you and I had five years ago that I could be sitting in my car in front of the Surat railway station on Zoom, on my phone, on my tripod with a reasonably good bandwidth having this conversation, I would not have necessarily believed you five years ago because I would not have known that it is this possible. And I think that why television is struggling today is that because everything that TV is doing and spending lots of money doing, actually the rest of us can do spending a fraction of that money. So you can stream live. If you want, if, if six windows are your choice, you, you can do that too. If interviews are your choice, you can get those interviews too. And if you want to go out and tell, those, tell the stories that some of us are telling, then that is e easier to do than it ever was before if you have the will, the intent and the passion. Which is why I am convinced that the revenue model of this 
sort of startup driven small teams and i think they made a very important point i think the future is going to belong to an elasticity of the size of your organizations you are not going to have mammoth full time employees you're probably going to have small core teams that build and collapse as is required from project to project i think that's going to be one feature going forward in my case um, i did start uh, an event before i started content i created a gender forum called we the women i was able to generate revenue from it it's now in its third year i was able to uh, use uh, you know some of that partnership to begin a process of content creation creation and then get into mojo story which is my youtube channel my channel is monetized i'm not making um, vast amounts of money from it yet it's just been a you know a few months but it's monetized it's got enough numbers for it to get to pay a couple of salaries you know every month and that's not a that's not a bad thing or that's not a bad place to start one thing abhinandan that makes me nervous though i do believe subscriptions are a core part of the future is i don't want to get into this game of confirmation bias right so what happens is a lot of times people like something you do if it confirms what their existing view is on a subject and uh, i feel that that is a dangerous thing journalists uh, of course who doesn't like a compliment we all love it uh, we all deal with shit trolling every day so the compliment stands out and that's why we embrace it more than we would have maybe a few years ago uh, but we have to be careful to not have a content guided by popularity i i i worry about that a lot i worry about am i telling the story again because i found that it clicks now we want to click we want to be effective communicators but we've got to tell a few stories that maybe our audiences don't like either we've got to do that so which is why it's so important to have that basket of revenue streams subscriptions events different layerings of memberships uh you know i think uh, some of us will have to get into production we're going to have to use our skills as trained broadcasters and 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 filmmakers uh, i wouldn't mind doing a corporate film for somebody as long as it wasn't a fairness product or a product that i disagreed with uh if that helps you know help me do this coverage so i think we have to be agnostic a little bit more agnostic uh we can't afford to be very purist about this we have to keep our own values there are certain products i would never touch i wouldn't touch them for any event i wouldn't touch them for any sponsorship but outside of that i'm not going to diss the corporate world and say i'm never going to work with it. sure what you said barkha is absolutely true and i say this often because a lot of places when we are discussing you know ad funded journalism as opposed to um subscription funded journalism people want to demonize the earlier journalists and the early i said it those journalists are as good or bad if not better than the current ones it's the model did not allow more than what they had it was a two dimensional canvas right now there's a third dimension where the listener can also pay us directly television didn't allow that so the advertiser was the middleman print didn't allow that the advertiser was the middleman it was a one way communication now it's two way one click of a button they can say hey here's 100 bucks 1000 bucks 10000 bucks whatever it is so you're right technology will determine which way this goes and how fast technology evolves um and to the second point of the confirmation bias you absolutely correct but i can tell you from our experience at newsland for the last several years uh, people don't pay for opinion if you're going out on the ground and reporting they will pay they will not pay if you're paying 10 opinion pieces a day and we have a project you know we have something called nl sena that we put a story out there and we said this is the reporter who's going to cover this story and this amount is going to cost and people top up that story so people pay for on ground you're right it's not perfect there's a tendency of confirmation bias but it is better than what we left behind i mean 
we cannot have the mathematical theorem of theorem of God that removes all subjectivity. Your organization so, will reflect your values. You know, you may not want. So and, if, if I may, if I may just add something here, um, I believe, and because I believe this is on the internet, so we can use these words. I believe that the audience right now has a very high bullshit meter, right? Um, and they know when they're being lied to. They know when they're being pandered to. This is why we're having this conversation. Because if they didn't, they'd be happy with television. And none of the three of us would have the need or the room to launch our own thing. I think right now the audience is um, very conscious about how much crap is being served to them. And they're very quick to say, you know what, I don't want this anymore. And to abandon it's it's not, it's, it's also an audience that's very, uh, that changes its mind. Very hey, that's the audience that's paying. I think the audience that gets it for free, for example, we've started something called Bloodlust TV mm -hmm. and we call out the sponsors. Now the thing is, we know we've burnt our bridges with the sponsors. Like uh, there was, a, uh, I think one is Amity University that, Sudhir Chaudhary's primetime show where he pretty much says Muslims are horrible. I mean, that's, it's, it's as simple as that. And the band ticker going is, you know, it was, a, I don't know which car company it is. So we call them out, we put them on Twitter and say, these are the guys who are sponsoring hate. And there are organizations overseas who then tag the mothership, the, the companies, which are, it's a French company. So we've noticed one of those brands has pulled away advertising and I hope it's because of us. But you know, brand, there's only one French company. <laughs> which, which is a car, it's, it's not, I don't want to name it, but I don't, I don't want to confuse names because I'm terrible with car company. It's a car company. And we Renault. Have Renault. Renault. So, so we said Renault sponsoring this, Amity sponsoring this. Uh, I think there's some water filter that was sponsoring this. When the audience is getting it for free, they will lap it up. When they have to pay, you're right. They have a high bullshit meter. But consider it, right? So if you want something for free, if you want what you call journalism for free, they will yell at you for free every night. That's free. Literally, Republic is free to air. They don't even collect the two rupees subscription that other channels are collecting. How are they free to air? Where is this money coming from? We have right. to ask ourselves. Right? And customers who don't want to ask themselves that, who want to be fed like you know spoonfuls of hate every night. I'm not interested in that customer. I'm not interested in serving that person. They can now, let, now let me ask you the difficult questions. First yeah. Faye and then Barkha. And I think after that we'll have to wind up in 10 minutes. So guys take five, five minutes. Answer at length. I will not interrupt you. One is I understand that in, you know, in the West, the subscription model is a lot more robust. People are willing because there is a certain um, conscience that of, of the of the collective is while we may be the land of dharma and all there a Breitbart puts out a particular kind of story overnight eight advertisers go even a channel like fox because corporates have to be accountable to some sort of a conscience here the same product that will pull its advertising from a Breitbart or a tucker carlson show yes that same product will happily advertise when there is a show which is showing fake news, it is showing ye jam, jamati jihad karte hai. It's the same product because the management here knows there is no repercussion. So as far as that is concerned, television will always have the big bucks because there is no expectation of ethics from them, from us as a society. No one will stop buying their products. How do you overcome that challenge? Do you think your 1,000 rupee or 500, 800 rupee can take that on? Or will we just be these marginal players like NGO chalti hai, sarkar chalti hai? Or will we rock the world? We'll rock the world. <laughs> so tell me, how are you going to take that on? You think suddenly people will have a conscience that we cannot advertise on this channel? 
who do you want to answer this question first? Rafay, go first, then we'll go to Barkha. Okay, all right. So I believe that there will be a sifting of quality of audience. Um, you know, there is a certain audience that will stay with this hate mongering over a period of time. I meet young people who are telling their parents every day, don't watch this, it's complete nonsense. Don't watch this, it's complete nonsense. Over a period of time, audiences will shift and the quality audience, and there will be a, there will be a price to accessing quality audience. Uh, the quality audience will shift to quality content. And so when you go out to, for example, hypothetically meet a brand, if you have intelligent people whose, um, whose interaction shows that these are thinking people, these are people um, who can access certain products, they are people who are of a different quality, then the TRP is drummed up by television. Remember also, I think there's a big difference, uh, there's, there's a te terrible lack of quality in the data that television gives its advertisers. It's small TRP that's jacked up with, with money. We both, we all know that it can be done. If you, if you pour money into the system, you can hike up your TRPs. It's almost a, you know, it's a given. So over a period of time, brands are going to realize that they're chugging money down this pit with very little return because the audience is not of good quality. The audience is not quality that will actually buy your product. This is not your target audience. Plus television doesn't allow you to, to actually cut your audience and target a small group of people. You have to just dump your money in this pit. It goes out to the whole country. If you consider big channels with the highest TRPs, English channels, highest TRPs, numbers are coming from Chhattisgarh. Numbers are coming from like random parts of the country. Why? Because they're jacking up their TRPs. It's a matter of time before brands realize this is not quality spending of money. We're going into a phase post COVID where every brand is going to be more conscious about where they spend that money because there isn't enough money to sort of just fling around. It will no longer be left to the media buyers and their Excel sheets in advertising agencies to just plug it in like this. They'll have to justify every penny spent, every rupee spent in ROI of which customer actually turned around. What did they click on? How much time did they spend? Who are these people? Do I want this actual customer to read about or reach my brand? That is where I believe those of us who function on the internet will come into play because the internet can actually give you clearer data. These many people of this age from these cities came in at this time, stayed for this long. And these are the people who also clicked on XYZ sort of thing. So, so saying, we have, we have the advantage of credible data, a huge advantage. We have the advantage, first of all, of just of credibility and then of credible data and we're, we're the underdogs, right? We're growing. So as we do better and better work and we start to put proof of concept on the table, say, hey, listen, you do good work, good audience comes, you have space for brand, it will start to grow. We are, I believe today, where television was in the early 90s. We are where news track was back in the day. If we do this and we do it right, we will be able to turn this market. I believe we can do that. And I, I mean, um, I'm idealistic. I, I, I'll own that up. And I remember doing this when we were launching Mirror Now as well. And I said, no, we're not going to do these stories. We're going to do stories about people who live in Mahul in Mumbai, who are not being rescued by the state government, who are being sentenced to death by the state government. Because I believe that. We're going to do farmer stories. We're going to do stories that are small, that other television guys are not looking at. And we turned something, I believe, from just being able to do that. And I think that if we do what we're doing, it's not about, we will not be fringe players. This will be the new normal. 
quality journalism offered to quality i mean consider and consider the pockets right so there's gaon connection i love the work that they're doing from rural india there are people working there are independent journalists working all over the country this will become a carpet of good quality work i want to i hope that at some point we will have a platform where independent journalists can upload their stuff and customers can pay them directly okay there are certain products being worked on on that which we another discussion we can have on that barkha please go ahead but i think one thing that we haven't measured which advertisers and brands uh, and others care about is impact right so impact is an intangible but you you, you know you can't quantify it but you can feel it right you can sense it you can smell it and the point is that almost everybody on my timeline and i get toxically trolled but even my trolls even my trolls uh, you know uh, i retweeted somebody today who said i hate you otherwise i hate you otherwise but i cannot take away from the work you've done on this work so i'm like okay this i get i don't need to be liked by you as long as you're engaging with my work and i'm engaging with you and you're not being abusive you're not being slanderous i'm okay with you hating me but you're noticing my work now i agree with you that i think that there is something called impact it can cut through the clutter it can make itself heard it can make itself heard above the noise look we're three people who are not on television and rory books decided to have this conversation with us they didn't have this conversation with three television hosts i think that tells us something and i don't think that we're here as fringe players i i, I you know even if i tweet something today even people in in government who don't like me uh, and who may not publicly engage with me will give me a call and say you tweeted this we want to tell you this is what the story is this is the back story can we give you a background briefing about this we just want to engage with you on this i wasn't able to get that engagement when i was on television i i just find if you persist and stay disciplined and stay committed and stay uh, consistent you know in this new age world people appreciate consistency they appreciate a commitment to a story and if you remain committed to that story even if they hate you they hate your guts they will engage with you i'm i'm actually finding that so i agree with say that look we are the underdog uh i we we will there will be times when we won't have the scale of tv we won't have the resources we won't have money to advertise ourselves right there are those things like to market ourselves there are inherent disadvantages that we have but we have the advantages of powerful storytelling and we have the advantages of very personal relationship with our viewers i think yeah. uh you know that is something we need to talk yeah. about people are people are engaged people are even even if they're hating you they personally engage they are not ignoring us we are already not ignored and i think from there we can build something right so uh, i think we shall wind up on that note thank you ladies for your time and for your work uh, i just want to tell our audience that um, you have to pay to keep news free and especially in a post covid world i just like to put this red flag up there yeah. when the biggest advertisers especially auto companies didn't sell a single unit for a full month this is an unprecedented economic crisis the only people who have the money to advertise is the government which is why in the papers you will see ads of you know mr modi's full page or i saw the chatisgarh doing an ad on an english television news channel about what good work they're doing no one english news doesn't give a sh- the viewers don't give a shit what they're doing in chatisgarh at rural area but the fact is 
when it is just the mug shots that you see of politicians they are funding your news and unless you pay news will serve them because we say when the public pays the public is served when the advertisers pay the advertiser serve and when the advertiser is only the political parties whether it is kgri's face or yogi's face or modi's face they are being served and we are working on a project where you can see that whichever election around the corner the state election stories from that state reduce in the same paper because that is where for that month the ads are coming from so the quality of news you get is in your hands barka please stay safe you're doing fantastic work i will be shocked if you don't get an award for this uh, this project or whatever it is you call it that you want to take on and say uh, good luck with your project and your uh, entrepreneurial venture i hope it sees tremendous success and uh, thank you chirag and roli book supporting this together and thank you listeners and viewers for watching this very nice of you to watch it and very nice of you to like this channel but we will know the real love when you can put in money to barkha fay and news laundry then we'll do the talking show me the money cuz i got plenty of love <laughs> thank you thank, thank you. you all All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.